You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast number 1007. Urban Produce works to bring fresh produce back to the cities where consumers can buy and eat only locally grown products. This also helps create jobs in the community and reduce the carbon footprint. And behind the scenes is a family partnership that works on the concept of high-density vertical growing systems. I've invited Ed and Daniel Horton to the show today to talk about this exciting entrepreneurial venture. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to have you guys here, and uh, let's get started simply. Uh, Ed, I'm going to start with you. Can you tell us an interesting story? Like, how did you get to where you are? What What was the inspiration for you sitting here today talking to us about urban produce? Well, I, you know, uh, first, thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. Uh, uh, anytime we get a chance to share with the local community, uh, we love to get out. But I would say twofold. One, uh, I grew up in Texas, and uh, we had greenhouses in our backyard, and I would have to uh, come home after school and water all of the flats, rotate them all. Right. And I always had uh, aspirations and dreams of, uh, of doing it a, a, a different different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Glenn Kurtz uh, in, in Texas, where I'm from, and uh, he and I uh, formed this partnership, and now we uh, we built what is now known as uh, Urban Produce. So this is a sustainable vertical farm. Uh, we own patents on it in the U.S. and seven other countries, and uh, our objective is to take food back to the cities. Mm-hmm. Um, fresh food. Fresh, organic produce back into the cities. Um, We know from the USDA that population, world population, is going to increase by 70% by the year 2050. We're what, 7 billion now? Yeah. Unbelievable, the number, uh, the increase by 2050. So we, we have to find another way to grow produce, to grow food worldwide. It's not just here in the United States. So mm-hmm. we believe that we have figured out how to reduce the carbon footprint by reducing all of the trucking and build growing units in the cities. Uh, you're go- we're going to employ uh, local people. They're okay. going to grow the produce, and it's going to be right there, organic, sustainable, and the fact that we uh, produce our own water on site. Uh, again, as we spoke earlier before we came on air, our goal is to be completely off the grid. and, right. and self-contained ecosystem there. Exactly. That's, exactly. That's awesome. And as I said in the open, this is a kind of a family partnership. So mm-hmm. uh, we have Danielle sitting here. and uh, Danielle, I'd like to ask you, um, how long have you been involved in the business? So I just celebrated my three-year anniversary okay. in June with the business. Um, I came. I actually got my degree in agricultural business before this even started. So wow. it's kind of funny how the world works. But um, <laughs> wow, that is awesome. I, yeah. So I joined three years ago, and it's been a roller coaster of a ride ever since. I'll bet. <laughs> uh, Ed, I don't want to speak for you, but being a father uh, of a daughter and a son, I have to imagine it's rewarding to have a business where you can spend time with at least one of your children on a regular basis. Absolutely. Uh, the The business is in a trust, and uh, my wife and I built the business for the kids, for okay. both Danielle and her brother uh, Edwin. And so Danielle has come into the business uh, first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, she's always introduced as marketing, but uh, she also handles all of our food 
food safety, and that's a huge undertaking right. uh, with respect to food safety. So that is on her plate as well, and she has a great team of people uh, that she guides at the office. Yeah. It's a blessing to be able to spend the day doing good work. And doing it with the people that you know and love, I would think. Yeah, I I take directions from her well. Okay. (laughs) Is that true? (laughs) Only on occasion. Okay, well, sometimes. Sometimes. You got it. You got it. You're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. I'm your host, Richard Franzi. We have two guests here in the studio, Ed Horton, who's president, and Danielle Horton, who's director of marketing and also responsible for the all-important food safety. When I... I had the pleasure of visiting your facility in Irvine, and Danielle gave me kind of a tour. And it is really awesome to see the system that you have engineered to be able to grow this produce. Can you, knowing that our audience is listening to a podcast, can you paint a verbal picture for what I saw in person as far as what your systems are constructed like? Uh, absolutely. We, uh, we uh, use an analogy of a, of a dry cleaner. So when you go in to pick up your dry cleaning and you see it swinging around in there right. and they push a number and go get number 107, which is your shirts, well, we have the same concept. Our produce hangs on carriers and it moves around in the building. And our growing process is somewhat opposite of traditional field growing, whereas we take the product to the light, we take the product to the water, to the nutrients, Mm -hmm. which is just the reverse in in traditional row farming. But we do that because we're able to condense. We grow 30 feet up in the air, and so I'm able to grow quite a bit of product on a smaller footprint. Uh, and when you have to heat and cool that space, uh, uh, again, sustainability is what we're after. Mm-hmm. And when you started, you started with a mission, which you talked about at the beginning of the show. Was that the stated goal of urban produce? I mean, the name sort of would suggest to me that you envision bringing organic green product to the inner cities. And they may not just be in the United States, but to inner city dwellers. Was that sort of the inspiration for starting? Uh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, the, the ultimate goal is to exit, and my wife and I are creating a foundation and our ultimate goal is to build growing units on churches all over the world and allow the church body to grow organic live produce for the the, the families that uh, are little uh, going through difficult times right and, and so there are quite a few of them in the world quite a few in the world so that's that's one of the reasons why we want to be completely off the grid be able to build these on churches and have them be totally self-contained so so you're it's interesting to me because, so the question that I want to ask you without talking about it is, has the business model, not the financial aspect of it, but the the way you could implement your strategy, is that evolving as you're sort of getting out and people are coming to you with ideas? It, it sounds like, I don't know, was the church platform an additional plat- initial platform, or was that something that sort of as you modeled it, you no. said, no, that would be great? No, that was from the beginning. That was from the beginning. Uh, that was from the absolute beginning. But I, I would say I, I'm a serial entrepreneur. So what what you do when you build a business plan, you raise capital, you start a business, and you think you're going left, <laughs> you end up going right. Um, and as an example, we, we thought we would be heavily in the food services business. And it's interesting that the retail oh, customers. Yeah, so I could see that. All right. The retail folks came, and then the folks at Pepsi Naked Juice, you know, right. they came, and, and Jamba Juice. And so we just had uh, folks that we'd never really even thought of that came because we were local, we were organic, and, and went through very serious food safety audits. Uh, ended up doing business with people that we never thought we would. So without getting too technical, Danielle, I'm going to turn to you when he says food safety audits, uh, because 
because it's probably a different uh, format than maybe what people have seen. Mm-hmm. Can you just give the audience a general sense? What was that like to sure. demonstrate so to them that you were safe? We have to go through yearly food safety audits just as urban produce ourselves. But as more and more stricter rules are coming into play um, at the government level, at the FDA level, uh-huh. we are actually getting requests from customers to come in and do their own audit. So not only do we go through our own yearly audit, they bring their own food safety team in and audit us as their body of business. So mm. we had to, Jamba Juice came in and did their own audit. Pepsi Naked Juice came in and did their own audit and went through everything with a fine tooth comb, making sure that we're testing our product for pathogens, knowing, so they know for sure that when their product gets to their distribution center, there's no worry about contamination because in the food and produce industry, if you get a recall, you're basically dead in the water and it's really hard to come back from. So we take great pride in our food safety and it does help that we're a controlled environment and Mm -hmm. we're indoors we don't have to deal with animals walking through our fields or a lot of pests and bugs so we do kind of have the upper hand but there's also a lot of just differences when you are growing indoors that a lot of auditors don't necessarily know yeah we think it's new and different so they're a little bit more probably cautious yeah and not not as many things are granted because they haven't seen it before and you never know what auditor you're going to get in walking through your door they don't let you know hey this is I'm coming. They just kind of walk in and you have to semi-educate them, but sure. still let them know that they're in control. <laughs> right. Delicate balance, so, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's a lot of prep and it's a lot of work, but so, it's necessary. So Ed, we only have a, a few minutes and we're going to take our first break here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. What's the footprint that you require to build a system for urban produce? Well, um, you know, the footprint that, that we built on here in Irvine, it's it's 5,800 square feet. It goes up 30 feet. I own patents. We own patents on that. But I can make that any size I want. We're working with a retail grocer in Canada to build them in the grocery store. Come so on. It would be a lot smaller yeah. than what you saw in Irvine. But, yeah, I can design them. We have a restaurant in Chicago that wants one in the restaurant. So we, we can design them and build them in any shape or size that fits. I love it when uh, maybe these individuals aren't entrepreneurs in the classic sense, like startup entrepreneurs, but they're still business owners, right? I love it when you put two business owners in a room with an idea and all of a sudden they start tweaking it and make, modif- it, happen. make it happen, right? <laughs> and modifying it for a different application. Sort of your point earlier, and I've had other entrepreneurs of startup companies on the show, you, it's a delicate balance between being certain of your business model and being flexible enough to recognize opportunities that could enhance it, right? Without Were there times as you've scaled this business where there were temptations to maybe go off the ranch a little bit and you had to kind of bring it back to state to your original purpose? Yeah, I, and that and I would also say that, um, you know, don't, not that I'm right, wrong, but I'm definitely different. Um, don't be afraid to try things. I mean, I, I've tried so many things and failed so many times, but you'll finally get to that part where it's starting to work. And it, and it took us, you know, Danielle's been here three years. We finally have hit our stride. Okay. We found our groove, but we, we failed a lot, right? right. There's a lot, to, a lot to, to get done. 
It's not easy. It is not easy. I think the hardest thing to do in business is to create something from nothing. And we had, uh, this is disruptive technology. Right. It's very different. Uh, people, you know, uh, you can see it on our website, uh, but when you come to the facility and, and see it in person, it's quite different. And so people, it takes a while for people to wrap their head around it. Well, the, I remember it the day I drove up, and this is the last thing that we're going to take our break here on the radio show, but your building had a certain glow to it. <laughs> the lighting. The lighting was turned on, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard yeah. to describe. I don't even think I can describe yeah. it necessarily. But it, it's a pink hue. Yes. Okay. Thank you. That's, uh, that's yeah, what I was looking for. We've made friends with the Irvine Police Department just so that they know <laughs> that there's nothing strange going on in that building. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Come and now in. Now they visit us frequently for greens. <laughs> love all right, you guys. Well, yes, we love all law enforcement and mm-hmm. safety personnel. We're going to take our first and only break here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. And I'd like to come back and add, I'd like to ask you this question. I've asked it a number of guests. You know, you have an overarching philosophy from which you're building and scaling urban produce and i'm wondering if you could share what i call your guiding principle your core philosophy with our audience when we return absolutely all right ladies and gentlemen don't go anywhere we'll be right back after this 30 second commercial from me richard franzi is the author of two popular business books for ceos his first book Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. And welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. All of our shows can be heard anytime on iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, several hundred guests, former guest websites whose CEOs have appeared on the show, and they put the player on their website to make it easy for people to find. Since we started our show in 2009, we've reached several hundred thousand listeners through our live stream here on octalkradio.net and our podcast. On the podcasting software, simply type in these four words, Critical Mass Radio Show, and you'll automatically subscribe to our weekly shows, which we air live here. All right. Before the break, Edis, I was going to ask you to share a little bit about your guiding principle. Would you be so kind? Yeah. uh, Without fail, uh, Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Uh, This is his company. Um, If you look at our logo, go onto our website, you look at our logo, and there's a cross right in the middle of our logo for a reason. Uh, we we could not be where we are today with uh, without the the guiding uh, principles of uh, of Jesus Christ and and the biblical principles that we live under as a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so without question, it is is an absolute blessing and the opportunity that we've received uh, to to move urban produce forward. And as I indicated earlier, we we know where we're going with this. Right. Um, and so this is just one of the steps to get us there. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Um, you know, one of the things that we talked about is the fact that you're creating enterprise in inner cities, mm-hmm. which can be a, a, a place where there isn't a lot of fresh produce. And the job opportunities, especially skilled job opportunities, are limited. So can you talk a little bit about 
what, how you see the economic impact of an urban produce facility inside these cities? Yeah, most major cities have uh, economic development divisions, and uh, there is a lot of space, and so it's a give and take, right? So they want to give us space to go in and build facilities, but they want us to employ the local folks, right? So you can get that community uh, economically headed in the right direction and and employing people and training them. And uh, absolutely, that's that's what we look to do. And, And a major part of our business is licensing. So even though I'm a grower, uh, patented growing technology in Irvine, California, but if you were to call me and say, I live in Boise, Idaho, and I want to have you build one of these for me in Boise, we would go do that. You would be the licensee, you would be the grower, and you would support that area and, and grow uh, what was applicable in, in that part of the world. So you're to the point now where you have run your system in Irvine long enough that you know how to scale it in other cities and you can teach people how to effectively grow a harvest. Absolutely. Because I would have thought I would think that took some time to figure out. It took a lot of time. <laughs> yes. That just didn't happen, right? No. <laughs> That's it part took of a the. Lot of time. Yeah, there must have been a couple dark days back. Yes, in. we had to make sure that it was perfected and ready to go before we launched our licensing division. But mm-hmm. yeah, in 2017, that's that's where we've been with our licensing. So I've hired specific individuals to come on board and help me put together a worldwide licensing program. Why do you think that's the right strategy for your company at this time? Do you know? Um, I think uh, by by getting it out and getting others involved versus me trying to build number two, number three, number four, number five, that's just going to take such a long period of time. If I have uh, investors, we, we have, um, I had indicated Saudi Arabia, Qatar, China, Mexico, Canada, and so to get those people involved that are from that part of the world to build these and support them and and uh, hire locals and eat what they are producing right then and there. I, right. I think we, we, we could have gone a different way, but we made the decision to license it and get it out to the masses. And if you were, you are, because you are talking to other business, peer business owners around the world uh, about your strategy, building it organically, misuse of the word, but you know what I'm saying, doing mm-hmm. it all yourself or bringing in partners. Right. Um, um, was there one or two things that you've learned through this process that you could share with our audience about making that a successful venture? Here's the reason why I ask. I would think when you get a lot of people who want to get involved, they all come with their own preconceived... <laughs> Right. Want to do it this way. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, And and we we love to listen. I I have an advisory board. I have a board uh, and and we listen. I I like to listen to opinion. And and then obviously, ultimately, I've got to make the decision. But I think the idea to license and move out was almost unanimous amongst my advisory board and my board. It just makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, Being under non-disclosure on a couple of scenarios, but you have major retailers in the United States. You have major fast food folks in the United States. And so to build growing units next to their distribution centers all over the United States to just grow and and drop right into their distribution center to disseminate it, it just, it helps my margins, it helps their margins because of, if you just took the transportation out. Right. So the disruptive aspect. So I have to ask you, uh, this wasn't on the script. But for every action, there's an 
equal and opposite reaction. Are you seeing any resistance to what you're trying to do from any corners of the traditional uh, you know, uh, vertical farming, uh, yes. I mean, uh, traditional greenhouse growing, uh, you know, it's it's a threat, and I, I get it. Uh, traditional row farming. Uh, but I, I think the amount of, uh, with the population growth and see farming land in the United States, farming land is decreasing. Right. Population is increasing. So something has to has get to done. Get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and again, I'm not going to take over the world because greenhouse growing, traditional row farming, and, and CEA, controlled environmental agriculture, there, there's room. We need for it all. Yeah. Yes. Right? You need it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're so, not looking to to replace anybody. It's a supplement. Right. We need a supplement. Because so. we have a we have more need than we're huge meeting. Need. Yes. Yes. Huge. So so I have to ask a, a generational question because uh, for those of you that are watching to us on our Facebook live stream, maybe you'll recognize or maybe you figured out because Danielle's uh, Ken's sister, uh, but our daughter, excuse me, but is this an attractive idea to the to the millennial generation? What are you finding in your social media and the conversations and engagement? What's happening there? Definitely. It's def- most of our, if you look at any of our social media platforms, majority of our followers are of the millennial age. And I can speak as a millennial. I think we're very open to change. And yes. if you are open with us as a millennial, then we are much more accepting of you because we don't like to be have anything hidden from us or try to be duped or anything like that. Right. And I think... Millennials are definitely trying to get involved with things that make a difference and have an impact in the world, and they're not looking to just graduate college and go find a job that will pay the bills. I think they're looking to become part of a, a change and something that will definitely affect their lives, and they can feel like they've done something to impact the world. Right, and they're proud to tell their friends what they do. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. yeah. they. I mean, if you get on the good side of a millennial they will share the heck out of exactly. your stuff exactly <laughs> right right and and well photographed and everything oh, yeah. that generation they make every they got the pose they make my e- job easier <laughs> danielle where can they find us on social media yeah um, we are at urban produce on all social media platforms on instagram facebook twitter linkedin pinterest <laughs> we're all over right so yeah so i i love it when i have entrepreneurs on the show who have found a macroeconomic or socioeconomic trend that they can so, sort of like tailwind right you can get in that jet stream and it propels you a little bit faster it certainly feels like to me or the way you've constructed urban produce and maybe not even by consciously but by doing what you believe is the right thing and the lord's work these other benefits are accruing to you. Absolutely. And, and, and hearing what Danielle said about how millennials are constructed mentally, and I agree with that, uh, you must be an attractive potential employer and partner for them as well. Yeah, I mean, we, we've been blessed with, uh, you know, summer interns that are at uh, different colleges and universities that call us. And, and we've got a, a ton of them in uh, this summer and, and at the yeah. fair. But, yeah, it's, it's uh, technology and agriculture that's kind of blended. Yes. So it's new and it's different. Right. And it's interesting. We're talking about millennials. They see it. They get it. 
they they really do they get it first mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and so it really really helps when when you're trying to accomplish something yeah. you mentioned something that, it, that for those of you that are listening to us here in southern california maybe on octalkradio.net or later in itunes or stitcher um you mentioned the fair so for those of us that live in orange county we know the oc fair <laughs> but could you talk a little bit about what urban produce is doing this year at oc fair daniel yeah so we have um we've been very blessed to have the opportunity they invited us in um and put a huge display of urban produce so if you're unable to come take a tour at our facility we typically offer tours once a month to the general public Um, but if you're unable to attend those we will be hanging three of our rotating carriers with the lights that we use Mm. putting product on it and showing off a little bit of what we do in irvine and then you can also come and taste some of our product and see how we use it well that'll be excellent Uh, i'm going to take my wife by there because i've talked to her about you but my words can't do what you've built, Justin. So <laughs> yes. seeing it is and really... And we're right next to the master chocolatier that has won many <laughs> awards, so... Oh, well, location, 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 <laughs> right? Absolutely. Right. Well, let's... This has been thoroughly enjoyable, Thank and you. I appreciate you both taking time out of Thank what you. I must imagine is a very hectic schedule to be here on the radio show with us today. If someone would like to learn more about your firm, where online would you tell them to go, Danielle? Um, definitely urbanproduce.com. Or you can learn a lot about us on all of our social media platforms. We are very active on there. You can follow our Insta story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, thank you for being a friend of the thank program. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah, I've enjoyed you. this conversation and continued success. Come visit. When uh, grandbaby comes, you come visit. All right. I'll, I'll bring her down there when she's a little bit older and can appreciate it. I'd God like bless. to... Uh, she needs to eat her greens. Yes, we want her to eat her greens. Yes. <laughs> we want her to be nothing but healthy. I'd like to... Uh, Thank our engineer for today, who's also the station manager and owner, Paul Roberts. Our producers are Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. And I'm your host, Richard Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about this radio show or the firm that I lead, please visit my company's website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.